What's up, church? How we doing, everybody? We good? Man, it is so good to see everybody today. Uh, I was I was mentioning to the first service that after that stronger uh, that stronger men's little bumper, I wanted to preach right then. You know what I'm saying? Like that's fire. That's like punch you in the mouth, fire. And I wanted to punch something. The devil. Come on, somebody. All right. Um, no, but Stronger Men's is going to be amazing. I want to encourage everybody, all the fellas, we're all going down. It's going to be great. If you've never been, you should go. If you've been a bunch, you should go. It's, there's something powerful about 8,000 guys worshiping Jesus Christ, lifting up the name of God, hearing from amazing speakers, and then just all in this one little stretch of time, Friday night, Saturday morning, it is just power-packed, and uh, it's going to encourage you. So make sure you sign up. Uh, we got a group rate, everybody. Come on. Summer Park, we got a group rate. We got a discount for you. So make sure you sign up on our website, and we'll get that, uh, that $50 off. $50 off. It's pretty good. So... Um, and well, let me take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who's watching right now online and everybody who's over at that South Campus, South Side, South Campus, we love you. We love you here. We love you there. We love you everywhere. Come on, everybody. Would you put your hands together for everybody who's with us today? So good. So good. Guys, Easter, just a few weeks away. It's the Super Bowl of Christianity team. The Super Bowl. It's coming. And, and there's no better time to invite somebody to, to church than Easter. They'll come, they'll come on Easter. And so maybe there's someone in your, uh, in your neighborhood or someone at work that you know they need Jesus. Be praying and be inviting them. Say, hey, come sit with me. We might just be sitting in our new building, everybody. So like that would be really amazing. So we'll have room. That's a good thing. So we'll have some room. And we, we will know hopefully more in the next couple of weeks. But it may come down to the Friday before. <laughs> true story, true story. I mean, we might get the occupancy permit the Friday before. And so it might be a very good Friday. <laughs> Church joke. Um, and we may need all of you to help us clean it. So... <laughs> We're literally, we'll do a little communion and clean. It, it's going to be great. So, and I'm not joking. So, <laughs> but... But either way, whether we're in our new building or whether we're in this building, it's going to be great. Easter's an awesome time, and, and we're just so thankful to celebrate the fact that we serve a living, risen Savior. He's not dead. He is alive. And he is moving today. He's moving today. And so he is on the move, and that's what the series, Miracles, is all about. We're talking about how God still does the miraculous. When you read the Old Testament, you see God move. You see God do amazing things. He parts Red Seas. He, he brings uh, Jericho walls down. He slays giants at the slingshot of a small boy. He does supernatural things. He helps people. He empowers people. And this continues in the New Testament. Jesus shows up. It's hard to read through the Gospels for a chapter or two without seeing a miracle, without seeing Jesus do something absolutely supernatural, something unexplainable. And it makes everybody go, wow, surely God is on the move. And then, and then you, get to, you get to today, and it's like, all right, where did all the miracles go? You know, why did, why did the miracles stop, and, and, and why, are we, why are we just reducing? And this is, what, this is what I think many times 
we can be guilty of is we reduce church and God to this, this experience. It's an event, and man, we make it amazing. We try to make it the best it can possibly be, and I'm thankful for that. We've gotten better at church uh, than we used to be. I mean, everybody's got a spot and an assignment. We're really using spiritual gifts, and, you know, we've got, we've got waivers out there just waving people in. You know, helping people find their spot. We've got people checking kids in. We've got great production team, great worship team, great worship songs, great theology across the board. I I don't know if we've ever been in an era with such rich, deep theology across the spectrum. It's really, really good. The internet has helped make preachers better. So that's good. We've gotten better at church um, than we used to be. How many know kids' area has improved? Anybody remember kids back in the day? Like if you, I mean, tr- kids' area. I mean, that was just, woof. Struggle Street. You heard of Sesame Street? You went to church? It was Struggle Street. <laughs> it was, right? Guys, remember flannel graphs? Anybody remember flannel graphs? It's like, let me tell you about God, and they take a piece of flannel a yellow piece of flannel that represented a giraffe <laughs> and they stuck it on there you know and then and then and then of course you had puppets guys remember puppets back in the day puppet ministry oh my goodness man i never bought into that even as a kindergartner i wasn't buying that i wasn't buying that i was like this is a scam <laughs> i lean over to the guy next to me there's no way that's real that's someone's hand in a piece of cloth. The kid goes, are you serious? This whole thing is a lie? And he goes, next thing you know, you're going to tell me Santa Claus isn't real. Hey, you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> Puppet ministry, now it's just, it's gotten so much better. It's gotten so much better. Now we have interactive video content. We've got great worship songs. The kids are dancing and learning. And I mean, I'm talking legit curriculum in the kids' area. Come on, can we give it up for all the kids' volunteers back there? Like, legit. The kids are learning about Jesus. They're learning the word of God. It is, it's not babysitting. It's like, it, it's, it, we've gotten so much better at so many things in church. But where did all the miracles go? And I think it's, I think it's a sign of our, our culture, too. We've gotten, you know, we, we've had so much advancement in, in medicine, and our lives are so comfortable that a lot of times we can, we can just, if we're, if we're not careful, we can just think ourselves out of the miraculous. But the miraculous was never something to be thought out of. Actually, the miraculous was something to give more thought to our faith, to give more belief to our faith. Look at John chapter 20. This is, this is at the end of John's gospel, almost right at the end. And he says this. This is the apostle John. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So he did a lot of things. And I couldn't even fit them all in this book. That's what John's saying. But these, the ones that I put in here, are written so that you may believe. Everybody say believe. believe. He wants you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So what God wants to do, what Jesus did then, and what God wants to do today is to show up in our lives. 
to do things that are supernatural. Because when God acts naturally, come on, somebody, you know it's supernatural. When God does something, he, he moves, and he wants to help, and he wants to strengthen, and he wants to do what cannot be explained by logic and nature alone so that when we see him move, we're like, man, only God could have done that. And I'm going to believe more, and then I'm going to trust more, and then I'm going to seek more, and then I'm going to see him do more. That's, that's the abundance of God. God has things that he wants to do in our lives, and, and the way that he does it is through miracles. Miracles are for today. And so what we're doing at the end of every service during this series is we're praying for people and believing that God will move in your life. And uh, if you have a miracle, we'd love to hear from you. And you can email me, just scott at summitparkchurch.com or find a, a leader that you're connected with. We'd love to be inspired by your stories, be encouraging others with your stories, and believe together that we're, that we're just about to experience even more of God's goodness and grace. And if you believe it, say, I do. All right, well, uh, we, are, we are looking at the different miracles of Jesus. Today, we're looking at the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000. And what's very interesting about this miracle is that it is found in all four Gospels. So it's found in, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's only one other miracle that's found in all four Gospels, the resurrection. So you think about the significance of this miracle. It's, it's right up there. And I think, I think this miracle so marked the disciples that they said, we got to make sure that this one makes it. Every, every gospel writer is like, this, this one's got to get in there because this thing is incredible. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Now, it's going to say 5,000 men. Uh, women and children were also there, probably 15, maybe even 20,000 people, and all from, a, from a, a boy's lunch, a boy's sack lunch. And, and it's, a, it's valuable lessons, and we're going we're gonna to walk away uh, encouraged and, and change as we read it. Now, I want to read through Matt, uh, Mark's account, but as we go through it, I'm going to refer to some of the others. And so we're going to push, uh, uh, put, put them all together, and it's going to help us understand uh, this great miracle. So if you're ready to jump in, say I am. All right, Matt, uh, Mark chapter 6. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. So he's going home. He started his ministry at this point. He's been out preaching. He's been out doing the, uh, the miraculous. And now he's coming back to where he started, his hometown. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. So they're amazed, but they're, they're also amazed in a very skeptical way. They're amazed, and they're trying to put it together, and like, this can't be possible. And, and they said, where did he get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Basically saying, isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters, aren't they right here with us? And they took offense at him. So they're seeing him do amazing things. They're hearing him teach amazing things, and they take offense. And Jesus says, he says, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town. He's like, man, I can't even, I can't get honor in my, uh, among my own people, among his relatives and in his own home. And the verse 5, this is very interesting. 
He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed. Everybody say amazed. At their lack of faith. Now, real quick, I just want to make a quick point on this. That same, that word amazed is the same word that we used a few weeks ago when we talked about the centurion's servant. So remember when Jesus was amazed when, when the centurion was like, Jesus, all you need to do is say the word and it will happen. And, and the Bible says that Jesus was amazed. It's the word thumazzo. And it's, it sounds Italian even though it's not thumazzo. It's not Italian, but, but, but the word means amazed. It means, wow. So Jesus was amazed at the centurion's faith, and now Jesus is amazed at his hometown's lack of faith. And it teaches us something very powerful about faith. Faith precedes the miraculous, and a lack of faith prevents the miraculous. Literally, Jesus cannot do what he wants to do because they don't have faith their lack of faith is blocking him i mean that's pretty amazing if you think about it it's like can god can do anything except he will not move if you will not believe like this is really really important when it comes to experiencing the miraculous faith opens up the miraculous and a lack of faith prevents it okay let's keep reading then jesus went around teaching from village to village and calling 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. So this is kind of like um, lab work. This is kind of like when, when teachers do their training. What's that called when teachers do their training? But what's it? Professional development. Yeah. This is like when, this is when they're doing like, this is like, the, this is still when the training wheels are on. So they're out there. But they're not out there yet. Jesus is still here. He hasn't left them yet. So the training wheels are on. And he's like, all right, we're, we're going to do this together. Go out and then come back and tell me how it went. So they go out, skip, skip down to verse 12. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, this is something that's really important about understanding all of this series that we're looking at. It's that Jesus sends these disciples out. And when you see the word disciple, if you are a follower of Christ, if you believe in Jesus, then you are a disciple. And now God wants you to do the same thing that he's asked the disciples to do, which is to go out to bring hope and healing to a lost and hurting world. That's not just my job. That's not just a professional, you know, Christian's job up here on the platform. <laughs> That's all of us. That's all of us. And God wants to use you to do this. And so this is really, really important. Now, while this is happening, they're out there. Jesus learns that his cousin, John the Baptist, you guys know John the Baptist. He came and was a forerunner for Jesus. He was out in front. He was telling everybody, hey, prepare the way. The Messiah's coming. So he was his cousin, and he was also an integral part of his ministry. John the Baptist is beheaded in a very brutal way. In, in, in a very antagonistic way, just cruel. And you can read the story on your own, but it, it, it just, the whole thing, Jesus hears about it and it upsets him. It upsets him. And so the disciples, they've been ministering, they come back and Jesus is like, we, we're learning about this and they want to pull away and just have some time to recoup. 
So what makes this miracle extra special, I think, it, is that it happens in a time when Jesus is like, I just need some, some me time. And Jesus says, but I'm still going to respond to the people's needs. Look at this, Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported him all they had done and taught. And then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. Everybody say, uh-oh. Come on, you know you're not yourself when you're hungry. <laughs> it's not good. This is not good. I can go a little while. Then after a while, you're not going to get the best of me. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get the quick response. And so they're like, all right, we need to go eat something. And Jesus knows this. And he says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. Let's recruit. You guys have been doing the deal. You deserve some time. And John is dead. Let's take some time. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So they get out on a boat and they're like, all right, we're going to go over here. And so they're, they're going to go around the, uh, the top of this lake, but the people know where they're going, and the people just run around and meet them there. Well, look at this. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. It's the paparazzi. <laughs> you know, this is, what, this is what's happening here. So it's like, they see him going, I, uh, I know where you're going. You're go okay, yeah, we'll meet you there. And like, no, we're trying to get away from you. But many, okay, so verse 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. We'll unpack that here in just a second, but I just love the heart of God. He's like, man, I, I need to do something about this. But, but this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late and we already, as we mentioned before, hungry. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and, and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Because if they don't go away, we're going to have a problem. Because we're hungry, then they're all going to be hungry, and that's not good. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. I just love that there's... There's somebody, there's an accountant in the room. <laughs> there's someone who's got some background in catering. Right, let me do the math. 20,000. I mean, that's going to take man, uh, about six years or six months, six months wages to make this happen. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give them to eat? And Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. I heard someone say, this is like when you ask your kids to like go get the thing they're looking for from their room, which you know is there. But how many have any kids that can't find anything, like if, even if it's right in front of them? Do you have that kid? Okay, I just want to make sure. How many of you are that way? Okay, just be honest. <laughs> and Jesus, Jesus is like, this is Jesus. He's like, hey, how many, how many, what do you have? And before they're like, oh, we don't have anything. Like, no, no, you go and see. Go, go look. That's, that's what Jesus is doing here. And when they found out, they actually found out that, that there's one boy who actually came prepared for this great gathering. There's one boy whose mom cared about him and said, hey, before you leave, you take a lunch. And so there's this boy who's got this sack lunch. 
and, and he's got a lunch, and they, found, they, they bring him. Another gospel account says they bring him to Jesus, and he's got five loaves of barley bread and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He breaks them all up, and taking the five loaves, this is amazing. Let this hit you for the first time, even if you've heard it a million times. So taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. And he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. And he just keeps giving them and giving them and giving them. He also divided the two fish. Now these fish were probably small, small fish. And he takes them and, and he starts passing them out. And he keeps passing them out. And he keeps passing them out. And everybody's like, what? We didn't see the truckload come in. Because not everybody's that close to Jesus. Now the disciples are. The disciples are right there and they're like, what is going? They just see him doing this. You had to think Jesus was like, that's pretty cool, huh? I mean, come on, you know, he's like, just for a minute. This is very amazing. So everybody, now watch this. They all ate and were satisfied. That's a great word right there, satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. How many? 12, that's important. Of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So maybe 15, 20,000 people all together amazing miracle. And it teaches us so much about God's ability to do the miraculous in our lives. And so I want to give you four principles. There's so much that we could pull from this, but I just want to take some time today. Let's look at four principles from this passage that will, ha that will help all of us see the miraculous done in our lives. First thing is this, Jesus's math is better than our math. Jesus's plan is better than our plan. Jesus often blesses what we already have and fourth, a miracle of Jesus always leaves us with more, okay? I want to look at these four things. We're going to walk away better. Before we do, turn to three people and say, five and two can feed more than a few. Come on, tell somebody, five and two can feed more than a few. Five and two can feed more than a few. Okay, that's, that's really the first thing that we see from this passage is that Jesus' math is better than our math. There's no way, there's, there's no way that five loaves of barley bread and two fish feed a multitude. We know from John's gospel that these are small loaves too. Because Philip brings this boy to Jesus. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? So this is small. And and in anybody else's economy, this doesn't work. Five and two only feed a few for, for, for us without God. But little is much when God is in it. Little is much when God is in it. And God can take what little we bring to the table and he can bless it and he can make it much. I love, I love how this kind of breaks rules. This breaks ideas of what God can do and what God can't do. It, this, Jesus isn't limited to one mode of working or one model of miracles. Jesus can provide 
when there are a few fish and bless them? And how many of you know he can provide when there are no fish? As they saw, as we saw when he first called Peter. Remember? Out on the shore, Peter's been fishing all night, haven't caught a thing. And Jesus is like, hey, just throw them out one more time. And he's like, no. It's not possible. But little is much when God is in it. Because God's math is better than your math. God's math is better than your math. And I love this because this says that there's nothing that God can't do. This just takes all of our ideas of the natural and it just takes them off the table. God can do anything. God can work in that marriage that seems beyond repair. Seems like there's no way out. He can do it. Because little is much when God is in it. God can work in that physical situation. You've struggled with it for years and years. You've prayed time and time again. You think, I just have to settle with this. Little is much when God is in it. God can do it. God can bring about the miraculous. Because God's math is better than our math. Second thing we see is that Jesus' plan is better than our plan. Jesus is tired. He's worn out. The disciples are like, we got we to get away. We got to send these people away. But look at Mark chapter 6. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. I want to take a moment and look at this because in another, in another situation completely unrelated, it says that Jesus saw the crowds and he felt the same thing, but it adds something to it. He says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I love that they say harassed and helpless because that is exactly how this world will leave us, won't it? Helpless and harassed. That's what sin does. Any testimonies out there? Sin, sin does not lead you to life. Sin does not lead you to more. Sin does not lead you to freedom. It leads you to being helpless and harassed. Even if you've got a lot of stuff, even if you've got a lot of money, even if there are people in your world who are like, I wish I could be that person, you know if you're not right with God and if you don't have the Savior as Lord of your life, you're nothing more than sheep without a shepherd who are helpless and harassed. But I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who wants to have compassion on you. That God doesn't want you to wander. God doesn't want you to be lost. He wants the lost to be found. He wants to work in your life. He wants you to find life in Jesus. He does. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. So Jesus sees these people, this crowd, and watch how he responds. He has compassion, and verse 34 says, so he began teaching them many things. Like, Jesus, why didn't you just start healing them? Jesus, you know they're hungry. Why don't you start feeding them? He starts teaching them first. First things first in this situation. Jesus knows that before he's going to uh, heal them physically, he's going to heal them spiritually. And he is going to teach them the word of God from God's mouth himself. It's the word that will not return void. 
It's the word that strengthens us and nourishes us. What we need is the word of God. What you need is the word of God. That's why we're doing the one-year Bible as a church. We're going through it. We're going through it. We're getting every day. We're spending time in the word, digesting the word. That's why we're doing core night on Tuesday nights with Alpha, with Living Free, with Growth Track. We're getting in the word, growing in the word, letting the word of God change us and transform us and fuel us. That's why small groups are so important. Season two, starting up, little promo, shameless plug. Season two, if you're not in a group, get in a group. Getting around other believers, talking about the word of God, talking about what we're learning in church or going through a book and looking at those verses and meditating on them and asking questions and praying about it and applying it to your life. That's where you will grow the most. And you can have a, a healed body but if, if your heart and soul isn't transformed, then you've missed out on the point. So Jesus starts teaching them many things. But then, but then, the disciples, late in the day, come to him. This is a remote place. It's already very late. Send the people away. The disciples see the people and they say, we got a problem. And like most of us, what do they want to do with their problem? Send it away. Isn't that what we do? Maybe it's literally people in your life. Lord, just send them away. <laughs> just send them away. That's our plan. But God's plan is better than our plan. Look at, look at John 6. It says that Jesus had a plan. Again, same, same account. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, hey, I love, I love how all of the accounts work together. It's so beautiful. So you get, to, you get to see the different layers of it. He says, hey, Philip. He's picking on Philip right here. He's like, hey, where should we buy bread? For all this? I mean, where do you think we're going to buy bread for all this? But he asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus had something in mind. How many of you know Jesus always has something in mind? He always has a plan. He's always working a plan. God has a plan. And guess what? You're a part of his plan. God has a plan for your life. God has a specific, detailed plan for your life. God has a plan. He's always working his plan. So we just got to find out what God's plan is and get, get along with it. So Jesus had something he wanted to do, but it was different than what the disciples wanted to do. The disciples said, get rid of the, the problem. Get rid of the people. And that's how we do. Oh, God, just take the pain away. God, just take the problem away. And Jesus is like, actually, I'm not going to take the problem away. I'm going to take you through the problem. And how many know sometimes, sometimes the best thing, the way God shows up in the biggest way, in the, in, the, in the grandest miracle, is when he doesn't just take our problem away, but when he takes us through the problem and shows his glory in an even greater capacity. How many of you know, like, man, if you're planning this thing, like, I know if, if, if it's me, like, I'm like, all right, hey, let's just, hey. We'll, we'll, go, we'll go get bread overnight, send these people back. We'll do a nice breakfast by the sea. It'll be beautiful. 
sun coming up, we'll fry up some fish, we'll get in the lines. It's going to be amazing. We'll pass out flyers, we'll make it a whole thing. That's my plan. She's like, I'm just going to blow that up. I'm just going to blow that up because I can do more. I can do more if you'll just get out of the way and let me work. Sometimes the reason, sometimes the reason we miss out on the miraculous is because we are holding on to our plan so tight and we're not willing to go with his plan. His plan is, is greater. His plan is bigger. His plan is where he's showing up and showing out and showing off. Again, I do believe this. You know, the people got fed and were satisfied, but who walked away really changed? The disciples who are sitting there going, am I actually seeing this? He's just, where? How? What? Much better than figuring it all out. Sometimes God wants, instead of just taking it away immediately, God wants you to work through some stuff. He wants you to go get a few CAT scans, a few MRIs to prove so you can show your friends, oh, I want to show you, look at this. Before, after. And sometimes if he takes away right away, then you don't have quite the demonstration of God's power. I can't explain all of it. We'll never completely understand his plan, but we have to follow it, lean in, and trust it as long as we're here. So his plan is better than our plan. Third, he often blesses what we already have. He says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. He's like, what do you have? What's that in your hand? I mean, what do you got? It's like, go, go find out. Go find out. What do you have? And this reminds me of Moses. When God calls Moses, he's ready to do something amazing in his life and through his life. And Moses is carrying his, his shepherd's staff, and he's like, what's that in your hand? And he's like, I, I, I mean, uh, it's staff. It's just so normal, so ordinary. He's like, what's that in your hand? Thing, throw it down, it becomes a snake. Pick it up. You're gonna, you're gonna turn the Nile into, into blood. You're gonna, you're gonna raise that thing and you're gonna walk through the Red Sea as on dry ground. You may think that what is in your hand is nothing, but God can use what is in your hand to do the miraculous. Now, how does this apply to you and me? It means looking at what we already have instead of constantly looking at what we don't. So a lot of times we're praying like, I just want a miracle in my marriage. When really, you've been looking at someone else's marriage, obsessing about someone else's marriage, and you just want out of your marriage, and God's like, actually, I want to do a miracle in your marriage. Or you've been looking at someone else's job, you're like, man, I just, I, and you're so discontented. You're like, I need that job. I want that job. I need that house. And we're so discontented. And God's like, I actually want to do a miracle in your house. Is it ever wrong to get a new house. That's all I'm saying. But I'm just saying when we live in this mindset of it's always someone else, always something else, it's always somewhere else, God's like, I've actually got something for what you already have in your hand. And little is much when God is in it. Five and two can feed more than a few. In your bank account, in your finances, in, in your health, God can bless what you already 
have. And the last thing is this, a miracle of Jesus always leaves us with more. Love verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. Who's ready for lunch? It's a good moment, right? When you're really hungry, when you're really hungry and you have a great meal, maybe you've been smelling it cook all day, Thanksgiving, you know, get that tryptophan coma happening, knock you out while the lions lose again. There's nothing more than, there's nothing greater than being satisfied, pushing, pushing back and be like, yeah, I'm good. I was hungry and now I'm full. They're satisfied. They were lost and now they're found. They were helpless and harassed, but now they have found their shepherd and they are satisfied. And it is rich and it is good. This is what Jesus does. He satisfies the soul. Some of you have been looking to the wrong thing to satisfy you, and it has not satisfied you. It has left you unsatisfied. Thinking if I just get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, then finally, then I'll have it. And you're unsatisfied because only a relationship with God will satisfy you. And today before you leave this place, North Campus, South Campus, watching online before you leave this moment, it would be right and appropriate for you to say, I don't want to be harassed and helpless any longer, and I want to find Jesus as my Savior. And we're going to pray, we'll pray for you as we pray for miracles. That's the greatest miracle, is putting your faith in Christ. But they, all, they were all satisfied, and there's another verse that I referenced earlier, verse 43, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. So the people left and they were satisfied, but the disciples left with basketfuls. In our sermon planning meeting, I couldn't get away from this question. I was like, where'd the baskets come from? I mean, think, I mean, the fish, okay, he's multiplying the fish, but who had the baskets? <laughs> and I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven, where did those baskets come from? Was Jesus also doing that? That had to really trip the disciples out. Like, lived it, like basket after basket. They're like, wait, what? And they all walked home with a basket full. And, and, and I love that because the fish and bread they could eat, and that, that, it's gone in a moment, but that basket, it was a little memento, wasn't it? It was a little souvenir. And I bet you they, they took it home and they maybe, you know, they hung it on their wall. Or maybe they, they, they put it on their table and they put fruit in it. And every time they, they, every time they get hungry, they'd go take some fruit out of that basket and they'd take a bite and they'd be like, oh, I remember I remember, I think gee, this was all intentional. 12, why not 11, why not 13? One for each disciple to go home and have a souvenir. This is what God wants to do in our life. This miracle was for the masses, but I think this miracle was for the disciples. 
because he knew they would be tested. He knew what they were about to go through. And that's why they all put this in their account, all four gospels. Like, that's getting in there. Because they left changed. I believe that God wants to do the miraculous in our lives so that we leave changed. Every time we look back at that x-ray or every time we look back, we look at our spouse, we, we hold their hand. We're like, man, I remember when we were about to give up. And you look and you see that was the moment where we met God. That's your basket. That's your way of saying, oh, I remember when five and two fed more than a few. God met us and did what we could not do on our own. He wants to do the same. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, the Israelites are up against a wall. They're up against an army. And they pray, and God comes through, and it's this amazing miracle. And, and the prophet Samuel does something interesting. You can see in verse 12, Then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shen, and he named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. It's not that God wasn't going to help him anymore. It was just like, we want to take a moment and remember that to this point, God has helped us. Raising up an Ebenezer. Those baskets were Ebenezers. God wants to give you Ebenezers. I believe it with all my heart. Where you say, man, I would give in to despair, but I cannot deny it because I saw it with my own eyes. That's what this whole series is about. But will you believe? Will you trust? Will you give him room? Will you bring the loaves and fish that you have and give him a chance? Because if you do, he can do the miraculous. Amen? Man, will you stand with me at both locations? I want to take a moment. We'll have the worship team come. Love hearing the great stories. I'm going to ask our prayer team at both locations to get in place. And we're going to pray just for a few moments while all of us worship. Just spend some time in the presence of God. We had a testimony come in from last week. Someone came down, got prayed for, and God did a miracle in their life. Ashley writes this, I've had this pain in my foot for about a year and a half, and it's hurt to do almost anything, including walk. I'd pray for healing, but it wasn't getting any better, so I became really frustrated. I started to give up believing for a miracle. When we started this miracle series, it gave me a new hope for a miracle. I went down to the front and would pray about my foot after service every time. And after Nathan talked about how barriers are preparation for your miracle, I knew that everything in the past year and a half had been a barrier, and all I needed was to push through it. I prayed and declared in Jesus' name that I would have my breakthrough. The next day, I went on a walk, and the pain in my foot was completely gone. Come on, somebody. Isn't that a good word? And I asked, I asked Zach Green, our student pastor, who sent that to me, and I, I asked him, I was like, hey, can, can, uh, can you just verify that, that that healing is still there? And he, said, he texted and asked Ashley, and she said, yep, still pain-free a week later. That's going to be a moment. That's going to be an Ebenezer. I remember when I prayed, and God helped me. God wants to do the same for us. He can. He does. He wants to meet us. If you want to come down for prayer for anything, if you want to come down for healing or, or your marriage or your finances or whatever you need God to do, maybe it's for salvation. 
we want to pray for you and believe that the Lord will do a powerful work in your lives. Can we pray? Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for what you want to do in this situation. Father, we pray that the miraculous would take place, that, God, you would bring about miracles. Help us, Lord. Help us to grow. Help us to trust you. Help us to believe for great things, greater things still. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.